You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Some people experience either gold teeth, gold fillings, or gold dust manifesting. Didn't happen to me the first service, but then I remember the next day it happened, and ironically it was St. Patrick's Day, which I thought was interesting, because St. Patrick's Day, you think of Irish, leprechauns, pot of gold, I believe there was a connection there. We prayed for each other, and I remember I went into the bathroom, and he used the bathroom, and then I happened to look in the mirror, I opened my mouth, and I noticed the fillings in my teeth had changed color. Prior to that night, they were all black, they had changed to a whitish gold color. Was that a permanent change? I'd have to double check. I haven't really checked my teeth lately, but uh, it was like a whitish gold. I mean, obviously there was a change of color in my, the fillings in my teeth. This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. And for years, I thought it was a dream. A memory so ridiculous, there's no way it was true. It was a Sunday morning at my church in Prince Rupert. I'd graduated high school by that time and moved down to the city, down to Vancouver, but I was home that week visiting my parents. There was a small group of people lined up at the front of the church, right around the front of the altar, and one woman stepped forward from the group, and in front of the entire congregation, she told us this wild story about what happened to them in Toronto. She stood forward and she said that at one point, a bunch of people in the church, including herself, started to feel like a heat in their cheek. And the heat got so hot that one by one, they started leaving the service and running to the washroom. And when they got to the washroom, they were opening up their mouths. And inside their mouths, there were gold molars where no gold molars had been before. I don't remember who it was, like which adults from the church were in this group. But after the service, I know we all lined up to look inside someone's mouth. Who was in this group that went to Toronto? Did any of them really have gold teeth show up in their mouths? And what did their dentists have to say about all this? On this episode of Heaven Bent, I return to my hometown to hopefully satiate my curiosity and come to some final personal conclusions on the Toronto Blessing Movement. This is Episode 5, The Gold Teeth. Oh, there's the... There's the Prince Rupert sign. Welcome to Prince Rupert. Shall I shall I take a right on Portage Road? Oh my <laughs> The Neptune Motor Inn. I haven't been back to Prince Rupert since my parents moved away back in 2001. Everything is so old. There's my old house. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Our house had the best view in town. All right, I'm going to turn. Oh, I'm going to go straight here, actually. So the only concrete plan I have for this weekend is to go to church on Sunday. See if there's anyone there that still remembers that time and can maybe fill in some of the blanks of my gold teeth memory. But I can't help myself. Before I even check into my hotel downtown, I pretty quickly find myself parked at my old church. Not much has changed. It's a large, underdeveloped piece of property, lots of gravel and permanent puddles, and two boxy warehouse-looking buildings. The big blue one on the corner? That used to be my school, my Christian school. And the white building? The white siding? That's the main church. Here's the church. The Prince Rupert Pentecostal Tabernacle. 
Say hello. I'd written to say I was coming and why, but I never got a response. Hi. I'm Rebecca. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Did you get my email? No. No? I didn't. Oh, and you still, you recognize me? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. God. I'm so crazy. <laughs> I'm tripping out right now. Rebecca and I grew up together. We both went to church and school here, and now we're all grown up, and her and her husband co-pastor the congregation together. We haven't seen each other or spoken since we were kids, but it's pretty cool to see her again. Um, so, oh my God, sorry, I'm totally tripping out. <laughs> I just drove into town and I haven't been here for like 20 years. So oh, crazy. I, I drove past the school and the church and I went, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> Ugh. I can't believe I said, oh my God, three times within 15 seconds of walking in the church. When I was growing up here, I would have never taken the Lord's name in vain. Like, ever. Do you have a second that I can talk to you about why I'm in town? Sure, yeah. Do you want to have a yeah, seat? Could we, in. Could we? Thank I can you turn so the lights on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Rebecca and I caught up. I told her about my podcast and why I was in town. And it all stemmed back from remembering this service in 1999, <laughs> where a bunch of people from our church... Um, said that they had seen gold dust falling from the yeah. sky and had received gold, gold teeth. teeth. And <laughs> for years, I thought it was a dream. Yeah, I thought there's no way that that actually happened. Yeah. I must have I made, know, it up, made it or, up, yeah. combined things. <laughs> I remember the gold teeth. You do. Remember I remember that. hearing about it and like looking in people's mouths and like, that's Are what they I remember. Gold or is it just your feeling? Rebecca was pretty young at the time. She was younger than me, but she does remember there was an article written about the gold teeth in the local paper. It was in the newspaper. Yeah, 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 on like front page. I don't know why this has stuck with me, but you're bringing this, it's coming all up again, but I can remember reading it and be like, I know them. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe, I'm just being like, I'm totally, yeah. I definitely want to get my hands on that article. It's not online, or else I'm pretty sure I would have come across it by now. I have, though, during my research, come across other gold teeth stories. They pretty much all date back to March of 99. That's when, over the course of just a few weeks, looks like hundreds of gold manifestation claims were suddenly being made at Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship and in other connected churches. Gold teeth, gold dust, falling from the ceiling, falling out of Bibles. One story I came across was in the Nanaimo Daily News. Now, Nanaimo is in British Columbia, but this widespread story was about a little girl getting a gold tooth in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay, well, hi, I'm John Cortez, and I'm a pastor in Washington State. John Cortez is the little girl's father. I used a few nuggets of personal information from that newspaper article to track the family down today just south of the Canadian border. But back in March of 99, they were living in Ontario and actively involved with the Toronto Blessing Movement. We have five kids. We had two of them with us at the time, uh, daughters, two daughters, and they were about maybe eight to nine years old. Uh, they went to childcare in the meeting. They were off somewhere. And we didn't find out until long after this that our kids are downstairs with all the other kids and they're praying for each other. And they're, they're falling out under the power of God. Elementary age kids. That was typical of 
our kids in those situations. We were never concerned about, are they safe? Uh, are they being indoctrinated? Uh, nothing like that. They were always in the best environments and they always had really positive experiences. Before we got to his daughter's gold tooth, John shared with me about his first experience with the Toronto Blessing. This is big. This is happening. It's moving in the area. It happened when he and his wife visited a church in Lewiston. That's a small town on the Washington-Idaho border. They'd heard through the grapevine that a revival had recently spread there from Toronto. And we had to find out for ourselves. And I felt a responsibility to my church so I could give a, a, a reasonable and an informed response to what was happening. So we got the time wrong and we arrived at the church an hour before the scheduled meeting. Beautiful old building. There's nobody in the sanctuary. And we walked in and sat down by ourselves and the peace and presence of God was so powerful. And we were so struck by that. We just sat there for probably 20, 30 minutes and then we could hear a prayer group from somewhere up in a room, up second floor, back in the corner, and they're laughing. And there's, you know, all kinds of noises coming from out of there. And so we're looking at each other thinking, this is very strange. John says the main part of the following service was pretty traditional, pretty traditional Pentecostal stuff. Praise and worship singing, a word from the pastor, and then everyone in attendance was invited to come forward for prayer. We, we have a saying in our family that if, if you're going to go to Coney Island, you got to get a hot dog, okay? Got prayer, everybody gets prayer. Every, the power of God is very present, very powerful. Everybody is slain in the Spirit. And after being on the floor, because we had been kind of coached from these different people we've talked to, saying, you know, don't get up. Stay on the floor and just receive. So I'm laying on the floor, probably 150 people on the floor in front of this church. And way over on the other side, somebody starts laughing. And then the person next to them starts laughing. What happened was when the laughter, as it's getting the people near me are beginning to laugh, I'm not thinking anything's funny. I wasn't like somebody made me laugh. I just started feeling like, like convulsions in my stomach. And it, it was very spontaneous. My stomach just started kind of uh, bouncing, really. And, and that pressure increased. And about the time the person next to me started laughing, the pressure of that just kind of came out. And when it came out, I started laughing. And it was so bizarre and so unusual and then what I felt emotionally uh, and spiritually, uh, I was convinced that, that it was God. That was, that was my moment of really saying, okay, I don't get it, but I'm convinced and I'll, I'll hang on and go along with God on it. Now, about John's daughter and that gold tooth. So it's very common, and it was part of the culture of the time, is okay, get the flashlights out, look in everybody's mouth, and see if anything happened. And uh, that's when we discovered that our daughter, Johanna, had received a gold tooth. 
she had a feeling she, she uh, her teeth weren't the greatest as a child. She was she was our worst worst dental patient as a child. So this was actually a filling in a baby tooth, and it's a filling that was changed from you know the kind of silver uh, dark amalgam filling to a gold goldish bronzish gold. It wasn't like the entire tooth, so it's the filling within the tooth that was quite pronounced. And it was in a baby tooth, and you know, the tooth fairy came, and I'm sure the tooth fairy paid a lot for that one, but yeah, I, I have that somewhere. I never did get to see that tooth, but I did get to hear another first-hand account of what happened that morning when I interviewed a previous guest of this podcast, pastor and prophet Jim Paul. Here's how he remembers it. In our church that we planted up here in Hamilton, it broke out in our Sunday morning meeting. A little girl, 11 years old, got a gold tooth right in the middle of our Sunday morning service. No one prayed for her. So so we stopped the service and she started yelling, I got a gold tooth. No one prayed for her. So she had been in the meeting here in Toronto the night before, so it could have happened the night before here. Anyway, we got we, we stopped the service and everyone was amazed. It was a sign and a wonder. You know, the Bible says there'll be signs in the sky and there'll be signs and wonders, which means the signs cause you to wonder. We didn't know what it was. We'd never seen it in the Bible, but obviously if God can turn water into wine, he can turn, he can turn teeth into gold, obviously, and that's what's what happened. I would have loved to have talked to Johanna herself about all this, but Pastor Cortez is most comfortable telling this family legend on the mic. She was so young at the time, but I think it would be cool to hear how she remembers it and how she feels about it today. You know, I haven't talked with her about this in some time. I think it just became part of her, you know, faith experience. Uh, was it's It just kind of faded into her development. She'd get embarrassed occasionally during meetings or something. She's been embarrassed enough that she probably doesn't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> Back to my Rupert trip, my impromptu visit to the Prince Rupert Pentecostal Tabernacle continues, and Rebecca offers to take me on a tour of the old sanctuary. Oh my gosh. Turn the alarm off here. Fresh paint to me. <laughs> <gasps> wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's weird to have memories just come up and smack you in the face, hey? Mm. Oh, it's like coming home. Yeah, it is like coming home. Family memories here. Yeah. When I look in this sanctuary, it's like, oh, I remember that's where I was standing when I spoke in tongues for the first time. And that's where I was sitting when the gold teeth thing happened. And they all stood in a line right there. I'll see Rebecca again when I come to church on Sunday. She's pretty sure there will be people there who remember something about what I'm talking about. More Heaven Bent after this. That afternoon, after I check into my hotel, I meet Anne in the hotel elevator. She's a local senior who kindly invites me to join her and a friend for tea. 
We're in the hotel restaurant in Prince Rupert. Oh, you found a friend. Hi, how are you? My I'm name wonderful. is Dawn. Hi, Dawn. I'm TJ. TJ? TJ, yeah. Oh, nice. She's a broadcaster. She picked you up. <laughs> in the elevator? She picked me up in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. Pick her up. Good, good. So I'll give you a little of the backstory. I'm recording, but if you want me to turn it off, I can. <laughs> Pretty quickly, we start yapping about my podcast. That happened at the church that I grew up in. Which church so that was, was that? the Prince Rupert Pentecostal Tabernacle. Okay. Do you know the one on yes, Prince Rupert Boulevard? Prince Rupert Boulevard, exactly. With the big blue warehouse. Yeah. And when I was growing up, that warehouse was my school. Right. That's where I went to school. The Prince Rupert Christian School. As a student there, at the time, I felt like one of the elite, the chosen people amongst young people in my city. I felt smart and self entitled. It was like, I had learned the true meaning of life and those non-Christian kids, the ones who made fun of us in our uniforms, the ones who went to the brand new public school up the street, they didn't. I was the sales manager up at the GM dealer that was just a block up the road from you there. So did you see us all running around outside oh, yeah, in our funny yeah, yeah. yellow yes. cardigan uniforms? I don't remember that so much, but I remember seeing kids out and about there yeah. and thinking, oh, that's kind of cool because it was a small school and they had a lot of one-on-one time. Yeah, that's for sure. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I yeah. mean, one complaint I have about it is that everything we learned there was filtered through religion. Mm. So when I finally... For example, in science, if any scientific discoveries contradicted anything that, you know, we believe the Bible said to be true, well, then science was wrong. Like, did you know fossils were planted by Satanists to trick people into thinking evolution is true? I had a pretty tough time convincing my new biology teacher of that when I finally entered the public school in grade 11. I was so behind. Like, I just couldn't... Academically had to Academically, I couldn't grasp, especially especially biology, because I've been taught creation, creationism, and they were teaching me evolution, and I Mm -hmm. couldn't even grasp Grasp the whole concept, yeah. It took me years to... Well, you would have been, what... 15 years old or yeah. something, that would have been a big transition for sure. It was. It was. It's been a pretty long journey to sort of figure out what was real and what was pretend. Before I leave the ladies to their lunch, I ask them if they know anything about the local newspaper archive. I really want to find that gold teeth article that Rebecca remembers. The Prince Rupert Archives in yeah. the City Hall. It's a it, good is it place. The City Hall. Downstairs in City Hall, they have an archives down there. You can go down there and you can go through old stuff and they might have something on that. Um, We'll wait a few minutes. We're not in a hurry and we're chit-chatting. The archive at City Hall was closed on Saturdays, but I've since learned the library most likely has what I need. Oh my God. Look at this place. Hi there. I'm hoping to look into some newspaper archives from the Prince Rupert okay, paper. Okay, sure. The Daily News? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm the Awesome. Thank you. The trouble with this search is that I don't know the specific date the story was in the paper. Now, it was definitely after March 1999, because that's when the gold teeth thing started happening in Toronto. Scans of the microfilm of the Prince Rupert Daily News from May 1st, 1911 through June 30th, 1954. No, I'll need more than that. 
Hi. So you want some help on the microphone reader? Yeah, I, well I do know how to use one. I'm yeah. sure this is a pretty basic, straightforward. Uh, are they really old ones or relatively new ones? 99. No, which month did you want to start with? I think my hot spots are going to be um, March, April, May, June. Okay. So I'm going to go May. I'm going to okay, start with May. Okay, let's start with May. Okay. Uh, March. This is... Uh, Luckily, I like going through newspapers. So. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's good because it could be... It's kind of fun, but it's also tedious. It sure is. Yeah, just, oh, March 1999, June, okay. You'll reel you up to May the 1st. June, okay, awesome. So this is, yeah, it's okay. Some people might call what happened next a research miracle. Others just coincidence. But somehow, I wound up queued up to mid-April, and seconds after the librarian stepped out of the room, there it was. I can't even believe it. I found it in the very first couple dates I looked at. Oh my God, I found it, I found it, I found it. Local Christians claim divine dentistry. Where's my friend? I can't believe it. Monday, April 19th. I would have gone past it. I found it. No kidding. Look, look. The Bright family, do you know them? No, but I've heard the name. Wow. The picture shows the whole Bright family, Sharon, Willis, and both their girls. Huge smiles with their mouths wide open for the camera. Hey, welcome. So you're hoping to interview them? Yeah, now I'm going to track them down. I know them. I know who they are. Oh, wow. Yeah, they they went to my church. In a satisfying turn of events, I'd soon after learn that Sharon still plays the piano at church and she'll be there on Sunday. I've been in touch with someone who is in touch with her, and it sounds like she might be willing to sit down and share her gold tooth story with me. Oh, that's crazy. Wow. The research gods shine down upon me today. Oh, that's, oh, I'm just delighted. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for your help. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, my gosh. This is incredible. After the research librarian leaves the room, it's just me and that article on the microfilm screen. I'm eating up every word. It's a hoax. That was the word of first-hand observation from one local dentist last week in response to the claims of a number of people in Prince Rupert who have told family and friends that divine work has been taking place in their mouths. Prince Rupert's bright family, Willis, Sharon, and their two teenage daughters also said the Lord worked miracles on their teeth. According to Sharon Bright, there have been at least 14 others in town who have claimed the same thing. What? 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 14? Oh my god, if I wasn't in a library, I would be screaming right now. The Lord has turned dentist and is showing his handiwork in people's mouths. The story of this purported gift from God began in March, when a small group of Prince Rupert Christians attended a three-day prayer conference at Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship Church, And by the end of the conference, more than 190 claimed the holy happening in their mouths. Three weeks after that group's return, despite not having been to Toronto themselves, the Brights have supposedly seen the Midas touch of God touch them. On Monday, April 12th, at the invitation of the Daily News, Willis Bright went to see Dr. Frank Pied, a local dentist. That was my dentist. Oh my God. In Pied's estimations, the dental work on the teeth he examined were done by a dentist, dentist, not God. God. There's nothing to the claims they're making, said Pied. They're hoaxing you. Hmm. Hmm. 
Pyatt also says at least one of Willis Bright's three supposedly God-placed gold crowns have been drilled and a root canal done. Willis Bright, meanwhile, is unequivocal in his assertion that he and his family's dental work has come down from above. And while he now admits to the root canal, he says that the gold wasn't there before. Requests by the Daily News to contact Pastor Arnott at the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship for this story were not returned. Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship might not have returned the Daily News request for comment or an interview, but the church did release an official statement at the time, including several close-up photos of bright gold teeth in people's mouths. That in-house follow-up report, it was conducted by no other than our friend, Melinda Fish. I was up there one time when they did all the gold teeth thing. Now they're... When I first met Melinda in episode one, you might remember that she mentioned how she used to be the editor of their magazine, Spread the Fire. She was closely involved with that for 14 years, from the start of the revival in 94, all the way through 2009. People were all over and they were licking each other's mouths and trying to find out, did you get a gold tooth and blah, blah, blah. The truth is that we had, I'm just going to tell you, we had a thing, and and I said, well, you know what? Let's get it. Let's get a form, and if you feel like it's happened to you, we'll please sign up and blah blah blah. We got a stack of forms like that, but at the end of the day, nobody had a real one. How can I tell you? Don't get upset because John would probably say otherwise. But you know, it was like a fad. I mean, we went to one church in the middle of all that thing, and they actually had a song. Teeth, teeth, I won't go teeth. There was people that sort of took it, took this whole thing about the laughter and stuff, in my opinion, as a license, sometimes to just be silly. And, okay, God loves them, and there's been times I played along with it, but nothing of that ever really touched me deeply in here. I mean, I, I pray for people that have been healed of cancer. I've been prayed for a kid. We did prayed long distance for a kid down at Children's Hospital. And things, the kid sat up in bed. He was on his deathbed. I mean, I believe in healing. I believe in all of that. But it's about me and Jesus. And I mean, if gold tooth tracks you to Jesus, come on. But if you're already flowing... And you're already loving him. I mean, a gold tooth, it doesn't do anything for me. And I'm not saying it could never happen. Of course it could. <laughs> I mean, I was doing the magazine. I was looking for a gold tooth all over everywhere. And we even had a lady in our church thought she'd had one, but then she realized that she'd already had the dentist. But, you know, it's like people don't know what's in their mouth. People just don't know what's in their mouth. It's weird to think about, but it, it's true. And I can't say this for all of the claims, but like Melinda said, many of them were proven to be just that. People, believers, forgetting what a dentist had done in their mouth and then mistakenly attributing it to the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what two separate Canadian televangelists that I came across again in my research, this is what they said they'd done when they told their viewing audience they'd themselves received gold molars shortly after they were forced to make these humiliating apologies on their Christian TV programs after their dentist claimed ownership for the work in their mouths. 
I mean, we've had stories of people that were putting gold in their hair. John confronted a lady. And then there were straight-up frauds, like Sylvania Machado, a traveling evangelist from Brazil. She would put her head down and, you know, wiggle her hair, and gold would fall out. Oh, people were going, oh, wow, this is great. But then somebody took some of it down, and they had it analyzed, and it wasn't gold at all. It was glitter. There's fake stuff. And then everybody got into the angel thing and feathers, you know. Oh, wow, feather. Similar to the gold teeth era, but on a lesser scale, the Toronto Blessing also had a period of time where people claimed to see feathers in the worship sanctuary. Angel feathers. I mean, feathers don't do anything when God's restored your first love passion for Jesus. I I mean, a feather, come on, you know. And if it, if it's real, God forgive me, you know, then people, because they wanted to please John and Carol, they were afraid to mention that they couldn't see any, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and then there's, there's that, you know, there's that aspect of people are so desperate. You know, you can imagine putting yourself in John and Carol's place. You're looking for anything, you know, because... We don't want this to end. We don't want it to be over. And the truth is, Jesus isn't going to leave you. You know, there's thing, and all to me, all that kind of stuff is what gives fuel to the detractors. You know, it defends people away from a real business of what God's doing. Whether the Toronto Blessing was good or evil, supernatural or not, whatever it was, it eventually fizzled out. After 12 and a half years, the revival is said to have ended when the church stopped hosting those near nightly meetings. And we're talking meetings every night except Mondays since that very first night, that Thursday, January 20th, 1994. May your love just come in, fill us, and make us like new again. So this morning as we worship together through singing, through reading scripture, hearing your word, we just ask that your love would be in this house this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, come on up, worship team. It's Sunday morning at the Prince Rupert Pentecostal Tabernacle. The congregation is a lot smaller now, but there are so many familiar faces from my childhood, and it feels great to be back in this atmosphere again. After the service, I've got the word out about why I'm back in town, why I'm at church, and why I have this big recording device with me. 
<laughs> That's a fancy recorder. It's called a Zoom recorder. Oh. Yeah, I rented it just for the trip so that I could get better really? audio than my phone. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So, hi, I'm Terry Stenson. I'm from we're in Prince Rupert, British Columbia, at the Pentecostal Tabernacle right now. <laughs> And can you take me back to 1999? I hear you were on a trip to Toronto. Yes, I have forgotten the year now. It's been a while, but um, we had a couple groups that went from our, our church here. And I was at the first group that went back, maybe about five of us all together. And why did you go? What did you hear was happening? Like, what was the draw? We had heard about just the Holy Spirit being poured out at the Toronto Airport Church in Toronto. So there was enough interest, you know, among us that uh, we got organized to go together and take that trip. What I remember is uh, just the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. People were getting set free from hurts, you know, they're just, you know, uh, on the floor in the spirit and just uh, having the joy of the Lord. There was lots of laughter. So I was just uh, amazed and, uh, you know, thrilled at the presence of the Holy Spirit that was there. So I remember if it was, whether it was the trip you were on or the second trip, I remember being at church one morning when a bunch of people stood up right here in front and talked about the gold manifestations. What do you remember about those? Yeah, I was probably one of that group that was at the front here um, because that was when the gold teeth um, was manifesting at the church. What I remembered about that meeting in particular was John Arnott, you know, the, he was the preacher that hosted the Toronto church there in the Toronto Blessing and they had showed us a video in this one meeting from uh, I believe it was New Zealand where gold teeth broke out you know in their meetings in New Zealand and uh, and then he just kind of he's just very laid back and he was leaning against the podium there and he said would you like us to try pray for that here and then, you know everyone said yes and before long uh, you know gold teeth were manifesting in that group uh, at, at the meeting at the Toronto church and we were all looking in each other's mouths and you know. did it seem strange and unusual or did it seem like no this is how God works to you I believe it was new but uh, yeah it's tr it was unusual for sure but uh, it was I also you know for myself I thought this is how God is working with this you know it is a Toronto blessing like they were calling it just a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and we could see for ourselves looking in each other's mouths you know I've seen gold dust before on my hands at different meetings so I have to say that yeah I didn't get gold teeth uh, from Toronto or anything but it was just uh, I enjoyed the joy of the Lord there and uh, the gold dust that happened to, you know, us. And I've seen the manifestation of gold dust since then, too, before. She starts telling me about gold dust falling out of her Bible on the flight home from Toronto. She said, look at uh, the gold dust that's all over your clothes and all over, all over your Bible. And I didn't even notice I was wearing black pants and you could really see uh, it was more like diamond dust. I'm listening to Terry and I'm remembering what it was like when I had faith like that. And it was all over my pants, over the Bible. Not only faith in God, but faith that he was the kind of God that greatly intervened in our lives. It was a time in my life where I walked around with this all-consuming notion that there was no such thing as coincidence and that all of life's magical and curious moments were just God's guiding hand in my life. God revealing his face to me when I see an old man's beard in the clouds, reminding me of his presence with 
you know, perfectly timed rainbows. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed talking. (laughs) Not everyone I spoke to after the service was totally comfortable in front of this big mic. But my next guest had a big story she was happy to share. Okay, so, oh yeah, don't even be nervous. So all I need you to do just to start is just to say hi, I'm, and then who you are and where we are. Hi, I am Sharon Bright. My husband was Willis Bright. And we are at the pen, at Prince Rupert Pentecostal Tabernacle in Prince Rupert, BC. My home church. Yes. This would be the Sharon Bright from the Bright family, featured in that daily news article I found at the library. I am here because I have a memory of people in our church in the 90s talking about gold manifestations. And I've been on a journey to find someone who can tell me it wasn't just a dream. So can you take me back to, I guess it was 1999? Somewhere around there. What are your memories of that time and what happened? We didn't get to go on that trip, but uh, friends of ours from the church had gone. Sharon said these friends from the church brought back a VHS tape recording of a Toronto Blessing service. And a bunch of them got together to watch it. And they had just asked for the, the people to come up. And if they needed healing in area, any area for them to come up, get prayed for. So we were just sitting there in, in my friend's house and uh, getting all excited. So after that, we, I guess, from what I remember, we prayed and we all left and had coffee and went home. And all of a sudden, Willis, my husband, who is no longer with us, has gone to heaven, has, uh, he's went in the bathroom and he was looking at his teeth. And all of a sudden he says, look. And he had two teeth that had been filled in with, with uh, actual fillings. So had he felt, I mean, I've heard There was no fillings there. Nothing. There was, you know, like pinprick holes, well, big enough to, you know, that he, would, he knew that there was no fillings there that he was supposed to go to the dentist, but he didn't. So he got two on this side. And then he looked on this side, and there was a third one on the, on the left side. So he yelled for me to come running to the bathroom. So I ran to the bathroom. And he says, well, look at my teeth. So I looked at his teeth, and he says, well, you look. And I had, I think it was two platinum teeth on this side. And you don't get platinum teeth. You get sort of silver teeth. Right. Because platinum are way more expensive than, than silver teeth. And so I had two here, and I think it was one up on top on the left side. And are they still there today? Like, no. do you think about them? Did they come and go? They came, well, my, as a result of the, the disease I have, a lot of them have fallen out. I think maybe I have one left. Okay. But he, when he passed on, he still had his. You know, I, I remember... I'd be leaving Rupert without seeing any of the legendary gold teeth that I'd heard about. But whether or not they existed whether or not they were supernatural. I definitely got a greater sense of what they represented to the people who claimed to have received them. God always gives us the best of the best. When he does something, he does the best of the best. Because gold is the highest, and platinum is just right below that. And you cannot, man cannot make either of those things it's always God that does things like that. God makes, makes the purest of the pure. He does the best of the best always. And my church is the, 
It's the biggest blessing because I still get to, in spite of Will's not being here. Yeah. Because he was song leader for so long. And I we always played, but we traveled all over the all over the, the country, ministering with you know with music. Sitting right next to Sharon on this pew, her grief is palpable. But so is her faith that she will see Willis again in heaven. Because that's one of the attractive things about Christianity. It gives believers an answer to the biggest questions of all. What's the meaning of life? What happens after we die? And then we got to go to Toronto twice. And you, you saw things that you felt. And we were changed. Like, totally changed. How, did, I, it, how did it change you? Changed? You, you were just more excited. I remember when I was probably 16, 17, they had a, uh, a revival in my hometown, which was Abbotsford. And at that time, everybody would, we would have to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. We were still up praying and singing at 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And that's what I'm waiting for, for God to break up in something like that now. I'm, in, I'm, I'm older now, but I'm just waiting for it. I'm waiting for our kids. Sharon Bright and her husband, Willis, definitely did something right in the eyes of the church when it comes to raising up Christian kids. Her daughters still come to church with her, and that's all her grandkids you heard running around in the background after Sunday service. But according to a Sunday Baptist council study, 88% of children raised in an evangelical home will leave the church by the age of 18. That's how it was for me. And according to the book Soul Searching, the Religious Lives of American Teenagers, the primary reason that young people stop going to church today is the same as mine was 25 years ago. And that would be fairly described as intellectual doubt and skepticism. I stopped going to church, and for the next 10 years of my life, there was sex and drugs and blasphemy and education. I went to college. I took a women's study class where I learned that the Bible was surprisingly sexist. I, what did I do? I took a mythology class, and this was a big one for me. I learned that there were Christ-like myths that came way before Jesus was ever around. I went to theater school, and I learned that when you follow your vocal and physical impulses, that things like barking can happen, shaking, falling on the ground. As we near the end of season one of Heaven Bent, after all of this, what do I know now about the nature of the Toronto blessing that I didn't before? To start, I do believe real healing took place in many people's lives and that people had life-changing, even life-saving transformations. But at the same time, I also now believe the same spiritual ecstasy and healing could perhaps also be available to us without the trappings of fundamental religious belief. And what about the leaders of the Toronto Blessing? John, Carol, Randy. Unlike what some people accuse them of online, 
I didn't come across any signs of them, you know, back in the 90s, hatching some maniacal plan for global Christian domination. But I do believe that it's more than likely true that they, unwittingly or not, allowed and even encouraged members of their congregation and some international guests to reach such a state of hysteria that there were an unfortunately high number of false spiritual claims. And while I don't believe hysteria applies to everyone's behavior, it definitely rings true for a lot of them. Just listen to the symptoms. Outbursts of emotion and attention-seeking behavior, laughter, weeping, and even physical paralysis. Another thing that I understand to be true now that I didn't before, you know, before I started making this podcast, is that no matter how much my beliefs have shifted away from Christianity, the memories, the singing and the dancing, the powerful services, the sense of community, and the unusual religious traditions, they all had and still do have great worth in my life. A great example of this is one final story I want to share with you about my mom. She'd always told me about a word of wisdom that she'd received back in 1988. So I would have been eight or nine at the time. And you'll understand why in a moment, but this story had a great deal to do with the confidence that I had as a young person to become the artist and the performer that I am today. We have not because we have not, all right? I only found out very recently that there was an audio recording of this event. And I want to thank my mom for allowing me to share this intimate moment with you. So it's 1988. My mom's sitting in the audience at a ladies-only Christian retreat on Vancouver Island. The visiting guest speaker has just pointed her out from the stage. And you unfortunately can't hear my mom's side of the conversation because she's off mic. But I'll fill in the blanks. But God's got something special for you. What kind of talents do you have? None, my mom says. That's not true. But see, God knows better. What kind of talent do you have? What do you have a desire to do? Creative. You've had it for a long time, that desire for a long time. Even as a little girl, what did you want to do? You wanted to sing. Are you married? Do you have a little girl? How old is she? Now my mom's telling her she has two daughters, my younger sister, Trish, and me. I have a younger brother, too. Okay. They're precious. They're special to you. And they're going to bring a great deal of joy to your heart. Amen. And you've got one. Does one have dark hair? Huh? That's me. My sister's blonde. I'm brunette. And she can sing. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God wonderful? Nurture her, sweetheart. Nurture her. She's special. She's God's gift to you. And you're going to see a lot of the desires of your heart fulfilled in her. And protect her because she's gentle. She's gentle. So you protect her. I love the Lord today. Praise God. Praise God. You're in the blue there. Stand up. I don't know if there's a God that moves in mysterious ways, 
or some divine higher power that loves playing games with us. For now, I just know I don't know. What I do believe, what I know to be true, and what I teach my children is that there is a beautiful mystery in this world about why there is anything. This science is a gift to us to solve that mystery. And I also know that when human beings follow their physical and vocal impulses, that magical things can happen. Thank you. Now, 25 years later, I got what I wanted the very first night. How can I say? You're, you're so dry. You're so hungry. You so wondered where in the world is God. And then all of a sudden, he starts talking to you. I don't understand everything, but I just know that God can be in the atmosphere. He can be inside of you. He can be everywhere he wants to be. And you're not going to be telling him what he's going to be doing. Heaven Bent was created, written, and produced by me, Tara Jean Stevens. Mixing and sound design by Ryan Clark. My editorial producer was Annalisa Nielsen. And a huge thank you to my executive producer, Jordan Heath-Rawlings from the Frequency Podcast Network and our leader at Rogers, Julie Adam, for giving me the space and support to make this storytelling dream come true. Thank you as well to my guests and experts this season, especially those of you who trusted me to share your most intimate testimonies and cherished audio recordings. And thank you for listening and for reaching out. You can connect with me, Tara Jean Stevens, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or through the Contact Us page at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Do you have a religious experience, a spiritual movement, or worship practice that you think I should explore in future episodes? I would love to hear from you. 